0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Brand and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Chris, joined, as always, by my co-host, Peace, and we're here today with a very special episode for everyone, someone we're very excited to speak to, the co-founder and CEO of Basewell, Evan Stewart. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time. How are we doing today?
1: Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Doing great, and Peace, happy to see you both, and looking forward to digging in. I think this is going to be a, a good show. Could not agree more
0: with you. So could you give our audience a brief intro of you know, what Basewell does and the origin story of how you got started?
1: Yeah. So um, the, like Chris said, my my company is Basewell. So in short, we're building a better training platform for startups. Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered in some of my previous ventures that the information that I had to know if my team was working ultimately boiled down, or if, if they were training successfully, ultimately boiled down to their ultimate success or failure. <laughs> so, so it was kind of this negative feedback mm-hmm. loop where, I would see that people were completing training and I would think that things were working and then a KPI might be missed and I'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, what went wrong? And uh, come to find out this problem is consistent and persists across companies all throughout, uh, not just the United States, but the world. So uh, realize that... It's 2023 or at the time 2021. Like it's a little bit late in the game to be lacking information in the most vital parts of a company. So, so what we do is we help companies build a skilled and engaged workforce, increase revenue and decrease waste by uh, focusing on the three buckets of training content or of a training platform that creates uh, that output, uh, which is content distribution and then analytics. So with Basewell, companies can create highly engaging content, which, you know, increases uh, training engagement. Uh, they can uh, have really granular distribution, which means that the right info will always get to the right people at the right time. And then we have really actionable, simple to interpret, and easy to take action on analytics so they can identify blind spots, see what's working and what's not, and then ultimately, you know, find and fix problems before they hit the bottom line. Super, super
0: interesting. Love to hear that. And you guys have been also a great start so far. Um, so to kind of get into it, in a recent interview, you said a lot of companies are living in a false positive, rele- rele- relevant to how they empower their teams and embrace culture. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell the audience about the importance of empowering your teams at work and not following the unfortunate common virtue signaling techniques we see today?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, that's a pretty blanket term because virtue signaling is always, uh, kind of in the. In the eye of the beholder a little bit right so what i fundamentally mean by that is doing things that matter for reasons that matter like that that's really what it boils down to in the most simple terms um you see and and this is kind of a this is kind of a bull market phenomenon but you see a lot of companies that are doing things for the sake of making themselves look good without any real impact on revenue on customers on product or on their people which is what i'm getting into when i mean that um doing things that matter that's what i mean so so in short, you know, I mean, businesses are in business to make money. Like, like, let's not beat around the bush, right? You, you need to be driving revenue. You need, you need to be profitable. But, but also, I think companies really overlook the fact that they need to be solving problems in a simple and effective way. Um, one of my favorite quotes by Johnny Ive, who uh, was, of course, You probably know, is with Apple and had a hand in many of the products that we use today uh, in the Apple ecosystem. Said that there's nothing inherently new, uh, uh, excuse me, there's nothing inherently good about new, but there is something inherently good about better, which means doing the obvious things well and simply is often better than doing something new and creative. And a lot of startups get really caught up in the emotion of executing on something that's fun and creative and it's novel and that's cool you know novel can get a conversation started but it doesn't keep it going with the customer and so when i talk about like things that impact culture things that impact revenue um if we're talking about a blanket statement to cover you know your listener basis of course quite diverse people in all sides of the spectrum from big companies to startups founders and, and ma- managers um it really comes down to Solving the customer's problem in as simple and effective way as possible, as few steps as possible, and doing the obvious things well before you get novel or creative. Like just solve the problem first, get them in the door, and then you can uh, you can have fun second. Which is kind of a flip from uh, what I usually see startups doing. Um, but that that's been my mentality. But I think that you know the days of free and easy money get uh, I mean that people can kind of get get drunk on capital and and not have to sober up
2: (laughs) for what it's worth. So, I mean, as you mentioned before, a lot of businesses, right, they should go into business, you know, looking for profitability, right, to make money. Mm -hmm. When does the conversation about, you know, bringing in team members and making sure they're well-suited to be in that position, uh, you know, come in the conversation?
1: That's a really hard question to answer as it relates to, like, all companies because there's no standard. But if we want to boil down to what what could be a decision framework in order to answer that inside of your company i would say first of all new people need to be brought in when things are breaking or when scale can't be achieved without them not headcount is nothing other than a metric that your company is becoming bloated right like that that's it companies that'll say oh yeah you know there's this one startup i had read about last year that had you know hundreds of employees but they had a million dollars in revenue and I'm like, I know people that have two employees, you know, Nikita with App had what, three or four employees and got uh, to millions uh, in revenue and acquired by by any multiple, probably $60 million by Discord, even though that's not public information. I'm sure that's what, what the multiple was. Um, Like you can do really big things with small teams. And so I think the first metric is something is breaking and, and, and is really important there, and the team is at capacity. Something is breaking fundamentally because the people that you have inside of your business cannot functionally get to fixing the problem that's that's a huge indicator that you need somebody and more importantly somebody specific um for those of you listening i'm talking early stage startups right like that for your first core 25 and 50 people um the second is that scale needs to occur and the scale cannot occur and the velocity cannot occur more importantly without adding more people So when you're adding people, you're specifically identifying a a need inside of the organization that requires a skill set and time that cannot be uh, brought to the table with the people in the organization and is for a very distinct reason. I'm hiring A, B, and C people because A, B, and C problem exist or are going to exist, and we need to directly solve for that. Now, as a quick disclaimer, I'm not saying to hire a person to solve a problem. I'm talking about structurally, right? If you know that within the next six months, you're going to be onboarding 10 times the amount of customers, and you've got four people, and you're already at capacity, you should probably be hiring other people to take care of those future customers and prepare for that growth. So it's this constant tension between where you're at and where you're going, but I definitely take a hard stance on the fact that there is nothing to get excited about in regards to headcount. Like headcount is not a measure of growth. And and I get a lot of pushback on this because a lot of investors and founders will say, oh, we grew headcount by, you know, 2000% this year. And I'm like, okay, that's all fine and good. But what was your revenue? Because again, the first priority of a business is to make money. The first priority of any type of venture, even if it's a nonprofit, is to have money in the bank because you can't do good unless you have a tool to do that good, which means even nonprofits have to make money. So what I'm getting at is if we cut away the bullshit and we get to the reality of what is a business, a business is solving a customer problem at scale in a profitable way. And then in order to do that, we want to eliminate as much outflow as possible. The number one outflow in an organization outside of your system is going to be your people. So bringing in people for a very distinct solution to a very distinct problem in a very structured and systematic way is how you grow that headcount. So I know, Peace, that was kind of a long run around a short walk type of answer, but but hopefully that, that answered your question in a no, substantial way.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, But once you do get them on board, how do you keep them? I know you've been mm-hmm. caught on the record saying that you believe culture to be something that's prioritized from day zero. Where does this yeah. principle come from? Have you received any pushback You know, for individuals in tech? I know you also have experience in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you received and what have you heard based on that take?
1: For sure. Um, so keeping people uh, is, again, it's nuanced because people are different. But, but what I will say is um, it's your responsibility as a founder if you want to keep people to make sure that people are challenged and engaged in meaningful work. Like I've, I believe that one of the core tenets of keeping people inside your organization, especially gifted people that need purpose attached you know, to, uh, to what they're doing, um, you have to help them make, uh, identify that the work they're doing actually has impact. Like connecting the dots for them because there's a misconception that oh good people will know that they're doing a good job that's not true in fact the best people usually don't think that they're as good as they are like they know they're good right we all know people like that it's like man you are so incredibly talented and they're like oh you know it's just and they kind of brush it off and not even in a bs way like like they're you know just truly humble so i believe if you want to keep people it also goes back to connecting purpose to their work hey peace hey chris The work you did here and here had a direct and positive impact here and here. Thank you so much for doing that. Like, if nothing else, that allows you to know that you're not just spinning a cog in another machine, right? Because that's what a lot of people are coming from if they're coming especially from a big organization. Um, The second thing goes down to a more human component, which is uh, just, just caring, right? Loving the person in front of you and giving grace and space, right? It's praising in public. It's adjusting in private. It's respectfully challenging other people and pushing back, but you can challenge without being challenging. You can be present with another human being and giving them grace and space to be human and at the same time know that, that, that they're working within the framework of your organization and you're running towards a mission together. This means little things like if someone's having a problem, address it. Hey, I, I, I was really surprised by your outburst here. And, and the way that, that I interpreted that this way, and I know other people in the room did as well. Um, I also know that's out of character. Is everything okay? Like what, what's, what's going on? Do you need some time, right? A lot of people will kind of adopt this like grind mentality, right? Like, yeah, I'm grinding all the time. First of all, I'm not even getting to that because that's like such crap. Grinding doesn't produce anything except dust, right? But, but what I will say is is that people need to be seen and they need to be heard and they need to be known. And if your organization is one that can challenge someone, respectfully challenge, right? Purposefully challenge, where they know that their work has meaning, and they also feel seen and known and respected as a person. That alone does more for culture than just having some core values on the wall. So in a fundamental way, again, it's nuanced because people are nuanced. But that's where I would begin if there was somebody listening, thinking like, how might I start trying to build a culture that sustains good talent?
2: Can you can you share an experience, you know, to date, whether it's in past endeavors or with baseball where you had to put words to action?
1: Yeah, um... Gosh, I've had a lot of experiences. I mean, um, just generally speaking, there was an employee I had who, uh, they were just having a really tough time. And th- it was out of character in their work. They were just all of a sudden missing things, like pretty obvious things. Nothing had changed in their work. They were still coming to work on time, doing their job. Um, so I had sat down with this person and said, like, what, <laughs> what what's what's going on here like this is out of character um talk to me like what do you actually need because obviously there's something either in our workspace or that that's being brought into our workspace that is causing you friction and actually doing your job well and i know you can do your job well because historically you've done it well um and it wasn't a conversation that had any type of um shame it wasn't a conversation that had any type of, like, accusation. It was just space to be human, right? Grace and space. Hey, let's just talk for a second. And um, this person had explained that there were, you know, some troubles that were happening outside of the work with the family, and it was really causing their head space to get clogged up. And um, basically there were – what this person needed more than anything, honestly, was permission to, like, take five days and just go and take care of the people in their life that needed to be taken care of because there was there wasn't a problem in – their work there was a problem with the guilt and anxiety and animosity of being in an environment that was containing them away from the people that they most needed to be with because they didn't feel that we we were in the middle of a really big push and you know I'm I'm gracious with time off but it was just kind of not a good time to ask for time off because we were all like running really aggressively towards this big goal um and so more than anything even though we needed we needed them there as a company, the best thing that happened for that person and the best thing, frankly, that happened for that job and that position was giving space to just say, hey, take take some time and just be human. So that's that's one example. I'm trying to be as ambiguous as possible without giving away a person's identity because my previous venture had, had a small group of people, but um, that would be one example of where being human and giving space actually led to a more positive outcome for the person and for the position long-term. Because we addressed and nipped a problem in the bud immediately that was being brought into the work environment, even though it had nothing to do with the work environment, if, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. To continue to tie into BaseWell and what you guys have going on, uh, how has data been useful to you to help track these experiences, right? To track, you know, your engagement and uh, the evolution of the culture as you guys continue to scale and grow and pull people in?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I think in general the data that I most look at is are are people more or less connected to the mission and excited to do their job after their honeymoon period like over a long period of time right because in, anyone can get excited about something for a month or two or three and if you're in the midst of you know something exciting happening in the company or heck it could even be the holiday season and like everyone just feels good i mean there could be a lot of reasons why Um, There's a misconception about an employee's engagement. And so I think the data that I most look at and, and how that affected my decisions now is I'm really attentive to how engaged people are in their work when it's just not exciting. Right. I'm excited about Basewell because it's my baby. But the reality is that our company is in the midst of a really hard season. We work six and seven days a week. Our short days are 12 and 14 hours. And it's wall to wall. Like that's the reality. It is wall to wall. Now, it's tiring and it's invigorating at the same time it's just being a founder right? this part of the founding team but when i look at people that we're working alongside customers and employees and other people inside of our network i start to track hey are they following in regards to their excitement and engagement because if they're not that's usually indicative of a trend that's starting to occur right once is usually a you know well it can be a mistake but but once is is, um, is kind of an outlier, but, but twice is usually a pattern. So starting to recognize these things, these patterns of consistency, positive or negative, those are the data points that I look at that stemmed from previous ventures of frankly failing, failing pretty hard, especially with people and thinking, okay, now I know how to communicate hard information. Now I know how to look for engagement. Now I know what to look for. Like, oh, this team left. Okay. So that makes sense now i understand that these are trends for people that are no longer engaged and are probably looking elsewhere like maybe we should maybe we should address that i brought all of those into basewell and um of course I'm, nobody's perfect i'm still learning but um the one thing that i am paying close attention to that i feel very proud of and us structurally as a team is just going back to taking care of people like startups are damn hard and they're a lot harder when you feel like you're an island
2: that's i mean you basically answer the question by basically saying like hey just being willing to fail I was gonna ask, like, I mean, where do you find these guys that you know almost match up to that mission-driven intensity that you guys have six days a week? You know, late nights, (laughs) early mornings, kind of thing. Like you said, yeah, just trial and error, as you mentioned.
1: It's trial and error, honestly. Like, good people are hard to find, but committed people are even more hard to find. And it—it's the best people in my life have come through referrals from other great people because like does attract like. Right. And so there are, um, the team that we have right now is still small, but, um, the people on the team are very, very committed because they're coming from other people that are committed as well. Right. So, so our back end engineer was a referral from a friend who was an incredibly talented engineer, mm-hmm. who's also very committed, very talented, like the whole, the whole spectrum of, uh, of what you're looking for in a person. And, um, like attracts like, and so he referred somebody who happened to be just exceptional, who was looking for an opportunity in startups, who was willing to you know, take the time in the early stages to maximize equity and business value. And um, we, he wasn't the first. We did go through some other relationships, but um, it's just trial and error. Like I wish there was this magic sauce to it because it would make it a lot sexier. But the reality is you're going to go through Um, you're going to go through a lot of really good people, talented people, gifted people, and you're going to go through those relationships early on as a founder simply because they don't align with the mission. They're not willing to maybe put in the work that's required with no disrespect to those people because not everybody has to do that. Um, and so being willing to let go of people who are talented and gifted and kind to find the person that's like the right fit is uh is a discipline that, that frankly takes a while to master and it's it never gets easier but it's so important
0: definitely definitely completely understand that getting into our next question so you kind of touched upon um at the individual level you know an issue you had with one specific employee um but is there any challenges you face related to team empowerment overall or culture or your just company culture overall up to this point in your company or just throughout your career and how did you solve it
1: yeah for sure um the consistent problem always is going back to just because somebody is bought in doesn't mean that they're going to be bought in forever, right? So if you think about your business and the the relationships in your business, it's very similar to um, a traditional person to person relationship. To where if there are two people who are committed to each other, they'll you know they could stay committed and be committed, but the spark in that commitment typically has to be reunited and reminded because people are forgetful. Right. So it's, hey, people fall into patterns and they're they're consistent. And that consistency starts to sometimes maybe turn into something a little more mundane and then it has to be re-sparked and reinvigorated. And that's the life of relationships. Right. And so the relationship that people have to a company is no different. And so the hard problem and the consistent problem that that we face and that everybody faces in the early stages is constantly keeping the team engaged to know that this hard work is paying off, that's your, we're, we're doing this for a reason, not just because we're all crazy, but there's actually something more here than just us grinding out in code every couple of, uh, you know, every day. And to the point, Chris, that you made and, and piece that you made earlier about and the discussion we had about, um, like grace and space for people, showing people that their work has value, like once or twice a week, I'm taking it upon myself as the co-founder and CEO to really show and represent show the team where their work is represented in our progress consistently hey these last couple of days this is our progress like it's 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 creating and manufacturing wins that don't technically exist but we'll show the team like hey in hindsight we've actually made a lot of progress Let's be excited about that. And it's not, it. when I say manufacture, it's not fake. It's not bullshit. It's just not like a standard win. Like, yeah, we disclosed a million dollars in revenue. Woo. Well, what happens if that doesn't happen for a while? What about all the little wins getting there? And so I think that consistent point is always top of mind for me is every single day I'm thinking, how can we ensure that our team is continuing to stay engaged with our mission and invigorated and bought in, in a very authentic and genuine and sustainable way? And something that's not like a flash in the pan, right? Where someone just gets excited and then the honeymoon period of 90 days is over and now they're looking for something else, right? Which is not the case with our team. But I think that um, that problem still persists whether or not your team has a strong commitment just in their human nature, if that makes sense.
2: Well, really in the spirit of just keeping this episode, you know, concise, uh, what are are some, you know, tips and tricks or any advice they can give early stage founders, whether they're in a similar situation as yourself, maybe a little more seasoned. Uh really just regarding the conversation today around culture, empowering your team, making sure they feel like, you know, their work matters, their voice matters.
1: For sure. For sure. Um a few different things. The first is I'm I, I believe that core values, which is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek word because a lot of people will kind of pervert core values to mean something that doesn't matter, like words on a wall. But but core values are so important in the early stages, right? And so like one of our core values is uh, collaborate without ego. And I actually stole that from another company called Compass, so I, I didn't invent that. But um, but I just think it's so powerful, right? Yep. Which means that we together are producing something that is the greater sum of all of us. and And even though we're all independently gifted – our actual output together in collaboration is 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 the ultimate goal right so um but but going back to your question piece as using this as an example establishing that early on is so important. a lot of founders think of that as an afterthought don't think of them as values. Think of them more as guiding principles in which people will operate within your organization. Because one of the problems that happens with founders, uh, and, and I've personally struggled with this, so this is something I can speak very closely to, is if those are not in place, then what happens is, is your ability to govern your people comes down to your emotional ability that day, your emotional discipline that day. Even if that's not the case for you mentally, it will be perceived that way by your people. Oh, no. Evan's in a bad mood today. Oh, God. I wonder what this is going to turn into. Not, hey, the way that you're the way, you know, founder to employee, the way that you're operating right now is not collaborating without ego. And that's a violation of that core value, which is something that we we, we absolutely have to be aligned on. Is it the value that you're struggling with or is there something else in your life that you're struggling with? See how the core value gives you an opportunity to speak and give grace and space to other people without, it has nothing to do with me as a founder, nothing to do with my emotional discipline or responsibility. It's everything to do with the value. So it takes the weight off your shoulder to have hard conversations and also makes it explicitly clear. This is not about Evan. This is not about Jane Doe. This is not about the founder. This is about the company. And the way the company works is within these guidelines, guiding principles, which are outlined by our core values like collaborate without ego. I would absolutely start there, guiding principles, just a handful to start, in which if you left the room and your people only worked within that framework, how would they operate and what would they produce? You've got to be thinking about that from the earliest days, or what's going to happen is you will start to create a culture in which governance comes down to how you're feeling. And that's not appropriate for your people. So there are many other things, but that is absolutely where I would start because I think that's the most overlooked space, especially at day zero.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. Especially, you know, you, you just talking about how I can now have a difficult conversation with you in the parameters of those values. Absolutely amazing. So kind of stemming off that, what's one question you'd like to ask another founder, operator, related to today's conversation that would be helpful to you as you grow? And on top of that, is there anyone specific you'd like to hear that answer from, if you have anyone <laughs> on the line?
1: That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I mean, my, my questions right now are actually surprisingly technical because Basewell, we're building a data-rich ecosystem, essentially a framework around human ambiguity, right? So taking things that are typically linear paths, like, oh, this training or this input produced one output. Well, that's not always the case. There's a lot of human ambiguity in there. So we're trying to build a framework around how people move and operate, which means that frankly, my questions right now are highly, highly technical around like, hey, if we're creating a predictable intelligence around this framework, um, talk to me about how we can we can build that. We can build upon that. And so um, there's somebody actually, he's, he's he's not a founder, but somebody that I think is just so inspiring in the space of kind of mapping human intelligence and putting frameworks around ambiguous data points like thought um, and he goes by Linus on Twitter. he just took a job um, with notions uh, AI department as notions starting to build out notion AI and um, we've had we've had some conversations in the past but um, he's just the way that he thinks is really inspiring And so I know it's it's not quite a founder and it's not quite a people question but just questions around mapping just human interactivity along with people who are building systems to do that right now is really where my head's at. Um, Because I just think that it's such an exciting time for people because we finally have the tools to start to build frameworks and an understanding of how people operate inside these previously ambiguous ecosystems like corporations. Right. And um, it's super niche, but that's what I'm getting
2: fired up about right now. These, these principles, man, Where where, where does this stem from? I mean, what experience in your past, you know, has brought you up to think the way you think now? Because, I mean, me and Chris, we we listen to hours of content. And, you know, from, you know, the the big-time IPO guys, the Fortune 500, and a lot of them lack this kind of, you know, framework, right, when building teams, right? You you see they they get caught up in these vanity metrics of, you know, these off-sites and all these, you know, fake marketing ploys. Uh, What can you give credit to in your past experiences that, you know, got you to where you are and this framework Mm -hmm. of thinking?
1: A few things. Um, Great question. It really comes down in my mind to, I've said the word people many, many times, but it it comes down to people. And And what I mean by that is a lot of founders, the only thing that they care about is revenue. My thesis is you can support and empower your people while growing revenue in an incredibly aggressive and sustainable way. Because one doesn't have to come at the expense of the other. And I've had many situations where I, my efforts were often the thing that people cared about, not me as a person. I think we've all been there, right? Even outside of the business world. And I, I can't tell you where it comes from. It's not one specific experience, but I will just say I refuse to build a venture where the, I'm so poor at the end of it that the only thing I have is cash. I believe that part of our giftedness is to inspire and empower other people to do their best work with inside of what you're producing. And if what I'm producing is a business, that means that my business needs to be revenue, profitable, uh, You know, drive revenue, support customers, but also that the employees inside of Basewell need to feel like they are seen, known, and empowered to do their best work inside of our ecosystem because that's good people on top of good business. Um, Look, life is short. And... I just really don't want to be known as the person that made a lot of money because that's a really horrible way to leave a legacy because at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. Um, so it really just comes down to like my, my core guiding principle fundamentally is people deserve to be in environments where they can produce their best work and people can achieve missions together as one collective group. I don't see that enough. And that's just how I want to build my businesses. And the only way to do that on a sustainable, scalable ma- uh, matter is through a very principled, systematic approach, like values, like we had talked about. Because, frankly, you know that also means that the discipline doesn't have to be with me. The discipline can be towards moving within a framework that's pre-de- predefined, which also kind of eliminates some of the human error component. Because, look, we all stumble. Um, yeah. Some days I, I might, I might, uh, I might falter, and it's it's nice knowing that the framework that we're working in doesn't have to fall apart. And that mission doesn't have to fall apart because perhaps I'm having an off day,
2: you know? Jeez, man. So poor that all you have is cash. Yeah. of sky drop. Where, where can people find you? How can they reach out to you to learn more about Basewell? And if you want close out with, you know, the vision of Basewell and where, you know, where people can expect to see you five ten years out.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, well, I'm only on, Two places. <laughs> I don't have a lot of social media. So I'm on Twitter at Hey E C S. And uh you can you can follow me there or I'm on read.cv. You can you can find me there um to search readcv read.cv slash stewart. Um it's like a LinkedIn alternative. So uh, I'm I'm on those two places. But if if you're curious about base if you're a founder and you're a company and you believe that not just getting people through content, but actually knowing how your training and your inputs affect your people and your outputs in a systematic and sustainable way. Um, you should give us a try. We're baseball.com. We're onboarding companies. Um, if you want to DM me on Twitter that you heard on this podcast, we can help you skip the wait list. Um, but uh, we'd be we'd be happy to have you. Uh, closing out, the vision for the company, there are some things I'm going to keep a little bit closer to the chest. But um, as it stands for right now, just holistically, the vision is is not just to be a training platform, a way to create, distribute, and measure your content, even though we're doing that in a very beautiful way right now in a very effective way right now. The vision is to understand how inputs inside of an organization based on parameters like people and personalities and departments and regions um, will create effective and sustainable outputs. So every single interaction inside of our platform is recorded, weighted, and measured because our vision is to build that network of information so in the future companies can have total clarity and certainty on what they need to do in regards to inputting in training and other processes in order to produce an output that supports their people and their revenue. That has not existed yet, um, and we're, we'll be the ones to do it. So long-term vision, very very broad statement, that's what we're building here, not just another way to create and share content.
0: Well, Evan, this was an absolutely incredible conversation. Anyone listening is going to get an immense amount of value from it, uh, and we thank you so much for your time. But that will be all for us today on the Brand and Beyond podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Evan,
2: appreciate you, man. Thank you.